We are so glad all of you are here, especially students. So excited to have you. You know, over the weekend, watching you guys worship, unbelievable. I stood in the back yesterday, and it was probably the best worship that's been in this room in a long time. So thank you for what you've just brought to our church. We're super thankful for that. Just amazing. And yesterday, like this room was full of middle school and high school students, and one of the Unite workers came up to me, and she said, what blew me away is during the teaching time, you could have heard a pin drop. And so you see that many students just locked in listening to the Word of God. It's pretty powerful. So we're excited for you. And I would say that what we're going to look at today from Scripture is going to be a key to really taking what God did this weekend and really carrying it on uh, in your life. So I think the timing of that is really well. Uh, I want to just ask all of you to do me a favor. We haven't done this in any of our services, but I want to thank uh, our production team. I just want to give you just a little background. Before, you, before the applause, just think about this. Everything started this past Tuesday night with the point, Wednesday night, multiple services in here, middle school and high school, Thursday night service, Friday night, Unite, all day, Saturday, Unite, and then as soon as this service is over, turning it around, getting ready for 700 pastors who are going to be here this evening, uh, all night uh, tonight, and then all day tomorrow into tomorrow night, which will be just in time for Tuesday, which is Man Church, and then Wednesday will be all over again with these guys being back here in this room in Thursday night church, or they won't have a break till next Friday. So just amazing work that those guys have done. So could you just let them know how much you appreciate what they're doing? Unbelievable. So many folks that just work so hard around here, so we're, we're just honored. Uh, hey, uh, today we're going to look at Joshua chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. And, and we're saying here, if you want to hang with us over the course of these 12 weeks, we want to offer a master's degree in the book of Joshua uh, because we're doing our, our sermons on Sunday morning. We've got a Joshua podcast. We have Joshua small groups uh, going on. And so we really believe God is uh, really doing something in and through us through this amazing book. But today we're going to cover chapter 4, and it's just a, a really a, a great principle that will just foster super spiritual growth in our life. But I want to start with a story. I was listening to Alistair Begg. I like to listen to Alistair Begg preach. I don't know if you guys have heard him. He was telling this story this week that I, I really liked. He said there was four guys. They retired 15 years ago, played golf every single Tuesday. Uh, 10 o'clock, they had a tea time. They played golf together. And then tragically, one of their buddies passed away. Joe passed away. And not only did they lose a friend and a golfing buddy, but uh, he had the best eyesight of anybody in there for some. So when those guys teed off, uh, it was him who could always see where the ball landed. And so the rest of the guys couldn't see it. And so they went to their uh, club pro and just said, hey, we lost Joe and uh, we need a fourth. And if he could have really good eyesight, that, that'd, be, that'd be great. So uh, the pro uh, thought about it. He introduced him to Rob, new guy. And uh, Rob liked to play golf. Rob had great eyesight, is what he's really known for. And uh, so he uh, hooks up with the guys, 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning. All the guys meet, and uh, they all tee off. They look back at Rob to see if he saw the golf balls. Rob gives them a thumbs up that he saw, saw the tee balls. And so they got in their carts, and they headed off down the fairway. Now they got to about the spot uh, where typically their balls were distance-wise, and they looked back at Rob and uh, said, did you see him? Again, yes, I saw him. He said, where are they? He said, I don't know, I forgot. And so that's the thing. Eyesight is good, but if you can't remember, it doesn't, it doesn't help you a whole lot. And I, I struggle with memory. This is my fourth time to preach this message. I've come out the fourth, fourth time. And Miss Julie, who's backstage, just, just right before I walked out, she said, uh, Pastor Brady, is your mic on? And it was not. 
And so I had forgotten uh, yet again. Uh, every single morning of my work week, I leave the house. I take a little, uh, a cup of oatmeal, Quaker Instant Oatmeal. I know I don't look like I eat a lot of oatmeal, but I do. And uh, so eat the same kind every single day, five days a week. Uh, but it's always about two days a week that my wife texts me mid-morning and says, uh, I'm going to just swing by and bring your oatmeal. She doesn't even get upset about it anymore. She just, that's the rhythm of her week, and I'm going to forget a couple days uh, out of the week because remembering is, is tough. Um, bless her heart, when we, we travel, we'll, you know, if we're flying back in and I, you know, she says, you got the keys, I've got the keys, so we're getting our luggage, we go to the car, she, she says, do you remember where we parked? And I do not. I cannot tell you how many nights at Nashville's airport we have walked through the parking lot just hitting the clicker, looking for, looking for lights. People have told me, they said, you know, if you take a picture of where you park, that will help so much. And I have done that. And then I forgot I took the picture of where I parked, so it doesn't, doesn't help. So today we're going to talk about this. Don't forget to remember the importance of remembrance in our spiritual life and, and what we're going to see that in, in week four. In fact, Dakota preached a great message on this to start the first of the year on a really a, a similar, similar topic. But let's just recap where we were because Joshua chapter three is one of the most amazing chapters in the entire Bible. And just to remind us, you have about two million Hebrews who have been wandering in the wilderness 40 years after they leave captivity in Egypt. In fact, a whole generation has to die off in unbelief because you have a generation who did not believe the promises of God that they could go in and take hold of the land that God had for them. And so after all that generation dies out, it is it dies off, it is moving day, and the children of Israel have a chance to go into the promised land that had been promised to them for almost 800 years uh, since the time of Abraham. This is a big day. They arrive to find the Jordan River, the last barrier, at flood stage. An impossible situation. No way around it. They are there for three days waiting. On the third day, uh, the priests go out, take one step into the river. As they do that, the water is held back, and they are able to walk across the Jordan on dry land and take a step for the first time into the land that God has promised them. Now, again, sometimes when we're studying an Old Testament passage, we think, well, what does that have to do uh, with us today? Well, it has everything to do with us today. There are so many takeaways. Number one, we serve a God that nothing is impossible with him. Does that make sense? God brought the children of Israel up to the Jordan at flood stage on purpose to show them that they could trust him when he brought a great victory. So they make it across the Jordan, and now it, it, it's time to go in and take hold of the Lamb. But as we read the Scripture today, we're going to see something very significant that God does and very different, and we're prone to kind of just gloss over this, but if we miss this, it will cost us dearly. So let, let's jump in and read Joshua chapter 4. Let's read the first three verses, and then we'll uh, take a look at the first point. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying... Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. If you remember last week in, in chapter 3, it was the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant who went into the middle of the Jordan and stood there while the children of Israel passed across. So from that very spot where their feet stood, they were to go in and take 12 large rocks out of the river and take them 
with them and bring them over with you, the scripture says, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Where they were going to camp that first night was a city called Gilgal. That's uh, interesting. That was going to be where Joshua, as we study through this book, that's going to be his base of operation. So think about this a little bit. They finally are moving into the land. And so wouldn't you want to see it? Wouldn't you want to kind of investigate that? If there's going to be some battles to fight, let's go. Let's take hold of what God's given us. And God says, no, you need to go back and take some rocks. Then take some rocks out of the river, and I want you to carry them with you. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be inconvenient. Then I want you to take those rocks, and I want you to set them up in the camp right there as a monument there. So what's going on here? Let's think about this for a moment. Here's the first thing I want to say to you. Stones of remembrance, that's what these 12 stones were that God called them to take out of the Jordan River, out of the very site where the priest's feet stood with the Ark of the Covenant. Stones of remembrance are really the forgotten key to spiritual growth. And I want to say this, especially to to you guys who are here today. I think God did some things in your life over the weekend. Would you agree with that? Did God do some things in your life? One of the keys to keeping what God does and building off that is laying down some stones of remembrance on the other side of that. That's going to be so crucial, right? Whenever God does a great work in your life, that needs to be remembered, and we're going to see that. That's what he's doing in this story. Now, stones of remembrance are the forgotten key to spiritual growth. Think about this. If you think about spiritual growth, what does it take for a person to grow to be more like Christ? Well, think about that with me. Wouldn't we say, well, it's important that they read the Scripture. Would you agree with that? I need a little feedback. Yeah. That's an important truth, right? It's important that they spend time with the Lord in prayer. Would you agree with that? It's important that they worship together with other believers. That's an important thing. And we would would say that. That's That's a huge thing. It's important to find a place to serve or to share their faith. All those things are important keys to spiritual growth. What nobody says is they need to remember. You need to remember what God does. We don't, we don't talk about that much, but it's a forgotten key to spiritual growth. In fact, I think maybe one of the greatest enemies of our faith is forgetfulness. Maybe one of the greatest enemies to your faith and mine is just forgetfulness. C.S. Lewis said this, people need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. That makes sense. We need to be reminded of what God has done more than we need to be instructed. A lot of times I'll get up to preach and, and I'll say the passage and I'll just look at somebody's face and I'll just see on their lips say, I know this one. Like I know this story. Got this one. But good for you. But God always shows us something different and I need to be, I can't remember my oatmeal in the morning, right? I need to be reminded of what God has done probably more than anything else. So over 200 times in scripture, there's a command for us to remember That's an important thing. But watch this. This is so crucial. If you don't get this, none of this is going to make sense. The word remember in the Hebrew doesn't just mean call to mind. Because that's what we think about when we think about remember. We think, well, I just need to call it back to mind. The word remember is an active word. It means to do something with it to trigger us to call it back to mind. It means we have to make a move in some ways. That's why what God calls them to do, he wants them to remember. So he doesn't get to the other side of the Jordan and say, man, that was a big deal, wasn't it? I hope you never forget this. No, he says, I want you to get these stones out of the river, out of the very spot. I want you to build a monument there in Gilgal so that you can remember, meaning every time you see this, it's going to remind you of what I did here in that place. That makes sense? Because wouldn't you agree that remembering strengthens relationships? Like in any relationship, just remembering good times will strengthen a relationship. I think inside marriage, you may push back against this, and that's okay. I think in marriage, I think maybe the greatest threat to our marriage is, is, is not infidelity as much as it is just forgetfulness, right? 
and, and, and just taking each other for granted, not, not forgetting all that God did to bring us together and all those things that he's done in and through us. I think forgetfulness can be very damaging to any relationship, especially marriage. I used to do marriage counseling here, and I don't do that anymore. A.L. wasn't very good at it. And uh, uh, those of you who've come to see me are like, that, that, that's right. I always used to tell people, you get what you pay for. You know, it's, it's free, but uh, it's, it's not real good. <laughs> I don't know, don't know what else to say about that. Uh, so I don't do it anymore. We have great counselors here in our biblical counseling center. But back when I was doing it, I'm a people pleaser. I struggle with that. So when I'm in the midst of an awkward sort of relational dynamic, it's I hate it. Do you hate that? I mean, if you're just around friends who are arguing, isn't it awkward? Like you're sitting at them with them at lunch or something. People are angry. I just don't like that. And so in marriage counseling, you got two couples that are just kind of at each other. They sit as far away in my little office as possible. And so I had a one money question. I'll tell you, this is, my be- this is my best question in marriage counseling. I'd just say, hey, tell me how you guys met. And they wouldn't say anything. And then she'd just glance over at him and kind of snicker. And he'd glance over at her and snicker, and then they would say, well, you tell him. I'm not going to tell him. You tell him. It's usually some nightclub down on Broadway that they were at, and they don't want to tell their pastor. But anyways, I mean, that's neither here nor there. But it's like this strange thing, and they, they met there. And then they start talking, and he starts talking, and, tell, and then she starts correcting him. No, it's not right. And they go on and on. And, and what just happens, and here's why I ask it, over a course of time, just them remembering how they met, the temperature in the room just comes down, right? Because remembering does that inside relationships, but especially inside our relationship with the Lord. Remembering is such an important, important thing. Uh, we had... Uh, a deacon's dinner right after after the first of the year. We have a new deacon's chairman, and so our new deacon chairman always gets to kind of put the program together for our first dinner, and that's always been really good until this one. And uh, and so uh, Barrett McCaffrey, our new deacon uh, chairman, he said, "Hey, I want to I want that night. I want us to have dinner, and then I want us to play the newlywed game." I said, "That's a terrible idea." And he said, "No, it's going to be great." I said, I, "I don't think it will be." There's Barrett. Thank you. I don't. It's awkward. I'm talking about you. Um, uh, Mallory, good to see you. Um, <laughs> been talking about you all morning, to be honest. I said, I don't think it'll be a good idea at all. And he said, it's going to be great. And so we, uh, we, we, we did it. And, uh, and so here we got, we got three couples, three ladies sitting up there, and their husbands leave the room. And, and then we've got, we've got questions that are asked, and uh, Pastor Joseph is emceeing. And uh, one of the questions was, tell us about your first kiss. This is at a deacon dinner, right? You know, and and so um, one of the ladies, uh, she's on staff. I won't tell you who it was, but Abby said um, it was at the. Uh, yeah, she said it was at the. Uh, it, it was. I remember our first kiss. She said it was at the Indian Hills Swimming Pool parking lot. It was in the back of Spencer's black truck over his tailgate. And she really went into a lot of details. That's plenty. That's plenty, sis. But she remembered it. And then he came back and he got it too. He knew exactly the parking lot, the color of the truck. is like, boom. And they're just looking at each other. It's just fun. Everybody was, everybody was laughing because remembering does that. I mean, I can tell you the first time I kissed my wife, we were right in front of the pastor as we were uniting our lives together in marriage. And he said, you, may, you can kiss your, kiss your bride. And I, I kissed her. And that's what you guys should do as well. So I, I gave her that first kiss. It was a big deal. No, I remember we were just outside of uh, Stripland Gymnasium on the campus of Belmont University. I can take you to the steps, son. I know exactly where that was. I will never, ever in my life forget that place. She said, I don't remember. I was telling her about it. She said, I don't remember uh, that, but I, I do. Think about this. What about when you first came to Christ? What about that moment in time when you just knew, man, that your, your sins were forgiven, that you... that 
the fear that had been gripping you was gone and something had just changed, that you were just new and it was exciting. And I understand this, those who want to be critical, I understand salvation is more than a feeling. I understand that, but it's not less than that. And you just remember what it was like. Man, I can remember that like it was yesterday. I had so much fear and so much anxiety, and it was just like it was lifted. And it was the most exciting thing that I had experienced, to be honest, in my young life. I have to tell you that. Or maybe it was your baptism, and you just remember when you were nervous and anxious, but you just said, this is what God's called me to do. Boom, I'm doing it. And on the other side of that, man, it was just joy and excitement, and you kind of felt 10 foot tall and bulletproof in that moment. Or maybe it was a time that you were just struggling and you were praying, your family was praying and friends were praying. It was a difficult stretch in your life. And, man, God just answered that prayer. And, and, and you saw him move in a powerful way and you'll just, you, you were different on the other side of that. But, but why are we talking about this? Because I think it is so easy for us to forget the great miracles and mercies of God in our life and the things that God has done in our past. You see that? I think it is so easy to do that. And I think when we remember, listen to this, I think when we remember, I think it stirs in us. It stirs our heart. It just, it just brings a affection and emotion to the surface. When we remember, it stirs our heart toward greater obedience to the Lord. I believe that. I think the opposite is true. Listen to what I'm about to say. I think the opposite is true because I hear this all the time from people. They say, you know what, Pastor Brady, I just don't feel as close to the Lord as I did. No, you don't have to nod here, but you ever, you ever felt that way? Or maybe you sit in this service and just 15 minutes ago as people are praising the Lord or hearing about students praising the Lord, you can tell that others around you have such a sense of excitement. And, man, you know you have been there, but it's not there right now. I mean, it's just not there for you. And if remembering stirs our affection Forgetting does just the opposite, and I think our hearts grow cold spiritually, and sometimes one of the reasons why is we have just forgot the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God uh, in our life. Now, I think it's important to even remember the bad times, and you say, well, that contradicts Scripture because the Bible says the blood of Christ Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, like forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. That's true. I don't remember them to, so I can be locked in guilt and shame. I've been forgiven. But I have to remember what caused those mistakes, right? For me, it was so, very, so many times I'm trying to get ahead of God. I didn't, I didn't wait till I saw God move. I was out there ahead of him. Anybody else ever done that? Yeah. And so I don't want to repeat that mistake. And sometimes remembering will help me do that. Let, let, let's look on at verse 6 and 7. And I want to say this, Joshua chapter 4, 6 and 7, if you are a parent, this passage is, gonna, is helpful for everybody, right? And if you are a parent, you can't miss this. God talking about taking these stones of remembrance. He said, this, that this, you do this, that this may be a sign among you. These stones will be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Notice he doesn't say, if your children ask. He says, when your children ask. Like kids ask questions. And God knows that. And he says, one of the things going to happen, you have these stones set up, your kids are going to ask, why are they there? Which in turn gives you a chance to tell the story. Right? That's what God's doing. Verse 7, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, which was the presence, represented the presence of God, that God did the impossible. We were up against an impossible situation, and God parted the river. 
when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So here's where we are. Let's recap because we're almost done. Stones of remembrance are the forgotten key to spiritual growth. I think if God did something in your life over the course of the weekend, there needs to be something that you do to mark this time, right, so that you can go back and remember that. And we'll talk about that at the very end today. Stones of remembrance, number two, are a spiritual baton of our faith. Now, the reason I believe, when I say a spiritual baton, you understand a baton is used in a relay race. And when you hand the baton from one person to the next, that's where the race is won or lost. It's in the transfer. Does that make sense? Any of you run track, ever run track? Anybody ever seen a track event? Good. Okay, good. Just, just trying to get a little connectivity here, right? Yeah. Understand the relay race and you pass the baton, right? It's the transfer. The reason our culture is in the mess that it's in, I believe, my opinion, is we haven't taken the transfer very serious. We haven't transferred our faith to the next generation and certainly not to the culture that we live in. It's not the culture's fault. It's a transfer problem. And I think we need to take that more seriously, and we're going to see that. And, and especially as it, as it relates to transferring your faith to your children, that's initially what God is talking about. There's a cool little book written by Warren Berger. The book is, is entitled A More Beautiful Question. It's about the questions that kids ask. He has some statistics in there. He says this. He says, a four-year-old child will ask between 200 and 300 questions a day. You may think, well, I don't believe that. I have a four-year-old grandson. It's true. Yeah, we had him over the weekend. It's true. I was counting. It was so funny. I was with his dad, who uh, is my oldest son, and we were in the car about three weeks ago. We were driving, running an errand, and and Will and I, we weren't having any kind of stuff. We were just talking, talking about about Tennessee basketball, if you want to know the truth. But we were talking about that, and he said, they're just really lousy beyond the ark. And he said, what's uh, Bradford's in the back? He said, what's beyond the ark? I said, well, the ark is the three-point line. What's the three-point line? He said, well, it's just on a, buddy, it's just on a basketball court. What's a court? And then uh, Will started laughing, just kind of like, you know, he was frustrated. He's just like, this is my life. He just kind of starts laughing because there's just rapid fire, one question after another. And my, uh, this is true. My grandson said, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I said, well, I'll take over from here. I said, buddy, he's, he's, uh, he's frustrated. What's, what's frustrated? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's this. And I started laughing, and then he started. We're just laughing, right? It's just like question after question after question. It just never ends. There's a good thing about that. Kids will ask questions, right? And that's what God said. You just put these stones up, and I promise you, they'll ask why are they there, and it is going to give you a great chance to tell the truth of what God did. And I think that's what stones of remembrance ought to be. And I said this Thursday night, and, and I love our Thursday night crowd because they'll just tell me afterwards that, uh, Pastor Brady, that didn't make sense. Don't, don't say that on the weekend. Which is super helpful, right? But I believe you guys, I, I, I believe in you. And I still think this is true. So forget what they said on Thursday night. I'm going for it. Is that all right? I think when we fail to memorialize our faith, our children will trivialize theirs. Now, what does, it, what does it mean to trivialize? It means to render it unimportant. And I think that's why for so many, faith is just unimportant because the generation before them didn't lay down stones of remembrance to memorialize their faith, the power and the presence of what God did in so many circumstances and situations. It's a big deal. 
And the Hebrews were good at that. Deuteronomy chapter 6 might be some homework to go and read to talk about that's the Shema that the Hebrews would teach to their children. And not only that, they would teach them the Word of God, but they told them to, to tie it as symbols around their wrist, around their forehead, to write it on the door frames of their house, on the gates of their house to remember. You see, because remembering is active. We do something with it. We don't just call it to mind. And, and stones of remembrance really let, let our children know that God's work didn't begin and end with them. Because I think mo- many times most children come into the world and, and they think the world revolves around them and we spend the rest of their growing up days trying to show them that that's true instead of realizing that God has been at work long before you and to tell the power and the majesty of who he is. Stones of remembrance are a tool to really bring faith alive. Um, Amy has, uh, she's decorated the grandkids. They have a bedroom at our house. They don't live there. They live with their parents, but it's another way to spend money on them. She's decorated a bedroom. In my grandson's bedroom, she has a picture of her father who uh, is now gone to be with the Lord. He was a pastor, just a great man. And it's a picture that we love. It's a picture that we took of him coming up out of the Dead Sea in the Holy Land. And uh, it's just a great picture. The expression on his face is just so cool. And he went to be with the Lord just a few months after that. And so we keep, it's, it's sitting on the bedside table in Bradford's uh, room. And, and there's a lot of nights as he's going to bed because kids will think of everything for you to do before they go to bed, right? He'll say, uh, tell me about that guy right there. It's a great show. We've had more conversations about heaven. Uh, we've had conversations about how you get there, about what's important to do with our life just because of one picture. See, those can just be stones of remembrance that we place in our life that can be triggers, active triggers for great gospel conversations. It's an important deal, an important deal. And I think stones of remembrance can really be a key to transferring our faith to the world. I think it can be. In fact, to be honest, the Scripture in, in, in First Peter says that you and I are to be living stones. Right, The way we live our life ought to paint a picture of the greatness and the power of who God is. Look at Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. I want to share this with you. It's at the very end of this, this chapter. And it's talking about how these stones of remembrance are not just a way to transfer our faith to our children, but a way of transferring our faith to the, to the world. It closes with this. Why do we build this monument here? Why are these stones here? So that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. I want to tell you something today. The nations need to know, your friends, your classmates, your teammates, your coworkers, they need to know the hand of our God is mighty. Do you believe that? And stones of remembrance are a way to do that, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I think having some stones of remembrance in your life are keys to transferring our faith. Now, let me say this about transferring our faith, and then I'll move on. Our time is now. The last two years have been the most difficult years in our lifetime. There's been more pain, more anxiety, more fear, more death, more sickness than any time in our lifetime. What's interesting, I was talking to a church planner from the Northeast this week. He said, we're thinking about moving back and planting a church in Middle Tennessee. And I said, why is that? Because everybody's moving there. People are coming to Middle Tennessee and other parts. They're coming from all over the United States. And listen, our time is now. If we are ever going to transfer our faith, if we don't stand up and be counted now, we're going to miss our moment. And this is our moment. We will shrink back. I, I, think it, I think it's a Jordan River crossing. I think it's what we saw a couple weeks ago at Kadish Barnier. Those of you who have been there, that just you had a whole generation that just stepped back in fear 
and didn't step forward in obedience to the Lord, and they missed their moment, and it cost them dearly. This is our moment. This is your moment, and the most important thing we can do in this moment is transfer our faith. It brings God so much glory. Now let's finish up. Joshua chapter 4, verse 8. We'll look at verses 8 through 10, and then we'll be done. You guys still with me? Those of you watching online, I hope you're with me. I have to trust that you are. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. Do you think they fully understand why God said pick up some big rocks and take them to camp and make a monument? Do you think they fully understood that? No. Do you think it was convenient? No. They just obeyed the Lord. There are going to be things that God just asks us to do, and we're not going to fully understand them. But the key to an abundant and free life is just completely obeying God, taking his word as truth, and walking in obedience. Not just when it makes sense, right? Right? And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded them, took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. So they built an altar at Gilgal. Watch verse 9. Watch verse 9. And Joshua, this courageous man of faith, and Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. He walks right back in. As they pick up the 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan and take them to Gilgal, Joshua walks right back in and he builds an altar. He lays down some stones of remembrance right at that very spot in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they are to this day. So Joshua goes back into the river and lays down some stones of remembrance there. I just want to show you something in verse 10 that I think is, is interesting, and then we'll, we'll move on, and I want to make one final point. If you look at the bottom of verse 10, it talks about what happens, and uh, again, a reminder, it's sort of a flashback of the reminder of the crossing over the Jordan River. And then there's this one little phrase at the end of verse 10. Take a look at it. It said, the people passed over in haste. I bet they did. Right? Can you imagine too many people, they're lining up, they're going across the river, and it says they passed over in haste. In other words, they said, we believe, God, that you have parted the river, you've held the water back, but we're going to move fast. Kids, hurry, your daddy's with us. If it was ever going to close up, it may be right now on him. Let's go. They didn't stop for Instagram. That's not in the Bible. They didn't stop for Instagram moments. I mean, they just moved in haste. And as they're going in haste out of the river, Joshua encouraged, because he knows how important these stones of remembrance are, he goes back in to the river and lays down this stone of remembrance. Don't tell me it's not important. Why is it important? Because stones of remembrance anchor us when our faith is tested. Man, I, I stand in front of you and you're 14, 15, 16 years old. I wish I could say that there aren't going to be difficult days and challenging days ahead of you. There will be. There will be difficult days and challenging days. If we look at this story as we work through Joshua, there are going to be so many challenging days for the children of Israel as they got into a land. There's going to be a fight after fight after fight to take hold of all that God had for them. And so one of the things that stones of remembrance will do is they will anchor our faith in the difficult times of life when we're tested. You see that Joshua could go back to that river and you could really only probably see those stones that he put in the river when there was a drought, when it was a low, low watermark then he could see and be reminded of the faithfulness and the power of God that did the impossible. And God's done some amazing things in our life, even in some of your lives, even this weekend, laying down a stone of remembrance to mark what God did, to trigger you in those difficult times to stay faithful in your life. And I think stones of remembrance, I think they breed courage for the battle. 
Joshua's a man of courage, took courage to go back in there. But as we think about, as we lay down stones of remembrance in our life, it will breed courage in our life. I think laying down a stone of remembrance is really preparation for victory. Like if you don't do it, we're prone to forget and our heart is prone to go cold and we're prone to slip back into old patterns and old behavior. These stones of remembrance are vital for our ongoing spiritual journey. One of the reasons why is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says this about the nature of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in the difficult moments of our life, we can look back on those stones of remembrance and we can be reminded of the nature of our God, that He's good, that He's powerful, that He's faithful. I think about Joshua as he laid those stones in the middle of the Jordan and the water cascades over the top of them and he couldn't see them any longer. It was a reminder that we were to live by faith because let me just tell you something. You probably aren't going to feel, especially you students, you aren't going to feel tomorrow like you felt Saturday morning in this room when it was electric and everybody was worshiping and you felt the presence of God so close. And sometimes when we don't feel the presence of God as close in our life and hear the voice of God, maybe as close as we had, we're prone to doubt our faith. But Joshua laying these stones of remembrance in the midst of that Jordan and the water carrying over them, he knew they were there, even though he couldn't see them. And let me tell you something. Even though right now in the difficult spot that you may find yourself in your life, if you're watching online, the difficult moment right now that you're in and you're prone to, to doubt him, he's there. He's at work, and this is a walk by faith. Let me just say this before we close today. What are some modern-day stones of remembrance? Because if you don't do something with this, because remembering is not just recalling it to mind. Remembering is active. We have to do something. Laying down some stones of remembrance is active. We do something with it. Well, how do we do that? That might be a good question. What are some ways that we can do that? Well, For one, I see some of you writing in a journal. Right now, I'm sitting here looking at you. Writing in a journal is a great way. When God shows you something, record it, date it. You have a chance to go back and look at it. In your Bible, record some notes and a date. When God shows you something, reveals himself to you in a powerful way. I mean, I I bet if if we could be honest here, probably everybody in this room or most everybody in this room may have a Bible handed down to you from a, a grandmother, a grandfather, a mother, a dad, and you look through that at times, they're gone, but you can flip through the pages of that and you can see where they recorded notes in the margin of the Bible of what God showed them, what God taught them. It's a powerful thing. It's a way to do that. Take a picture. Record the moment. Like maybe even today before you guys leave, just grab a couple of your friends because, you know what, God did something in the midst of a group of of you. Take a picture of that to remember this moment. Friday night I was sitting uh, in my den and it was late. Late for me is 9 o'clock. And one of my buddies sent me a text. He said, I know it's late for you. He said, but I had to show you this. And he sent a picture. Do you know on our phones how in our history a picture will pop up? And it was a picture when we were in Haiti several years ago and, and we were ministering to these children. It was a picture of him and this child in this little small little village in Haiti. And he said, you know what? That week, I'll never forget it. God showed me some things and did some things in my life that I haven't experienced any other time in my life. And he said, just looking at this picture tonight has brought those memories kind of cascading back. Just a picture will do that. Make a recording. It's easier today than ever before. 
and especially parents, uh, especially if you're uh, if your children have just come to faith in Christ, let me tell you something invaluable. Allow them to record their testimony. I would just, I would just do that if I was, if I was, I'd just give you a homework assignment as a, as a young person. Record your testimony right now, your understanding of who Christ is and what he's done in your life. Because there's going to be days in the future, I guarantee you, you're going to be 25 and 26 and you're going to have this question, do I really understand or what did I really know? about the gospel? Did it really make sense to me in that time? And to have a chance to go back and listen to what it was that God was doing in your life just in that time will be an invaluable piece to you. I was talking with somebody the other day that did that, and they said, you know what my goal is? Not that they could listen to this when they're older. My goal is when they become a parent that they may say, hey, would you like to hear mom when she was a little girl and what she understood about the gospel? And you could hear it in her own words. What a powerful thing. What are these? These are just stones of remembrance. Another way to do that is just make a purchase. Some of you are like, okay, now. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Honey, are you listening? What do I mean by make a purchase? Sometimes when God shows you something, reveals something to you, there's just an article that you, that you can just pick up and, and just kind of cement that. For me, I know what it was. I struggled for so many years in my life with assurance of my salvation. I just struggled. Had I done enough? God, have I really done enough? Did my good outweigh my bad? And it was when I had just a major spiritual breakthrough that understanding what Jesus Christ did on my behalf was enough. And I rested in his grace. I finally, for once and for all, came to grips with the grace of God. And it was so liberating for me. And some of you say, well, that's so simple. Well, it wasn't for me. And so I bought this uh, scales of justice. I have them in my office. You say, why'd you do that? Because every time I look at these scales of justice, it reminds me the grace of God has tipped those scales in my favor. And it's just a trigger for me. It may not mean anything to you, and that's okay, but it's a trigger for me. It's a stone of remembrance for me. Just a date in your house that you put up in a creative way to remind you of what God did in your life. Now, I got in big trouble on Thursday night for this, but uh, I'll try it again. I have a friend, and there have been multiple times, and we've been at dinner. He has a tattoo right here of the date of his salvation, the date right here on his uh, inner arm. And, and somebody said, well, it says in Leviticus that uh, tattoos are, are, are sinful. The passage in Leviticus is talking about tattooing your body with a pagan reference, I really believe, right, as a sign of pagan worship. And if you're doing that, that's clearly wrong, right? Let me just say this to every one of you in the room. Pastor Brady said I could get a tattoo. If your parents said you can't get a tattoo, then you can't get a tattoo till you're grown. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Go and read that, right? Don't, don't, don't do that to me. But I've been with him, and sometimes a waiter will come to our table, and he'll hand the food out, and, you know, it's a, it's a waiter, and he'll say, hey, tell me about that. Usually followed by bro. Tell me about that. And my buddy will just say, yeah, that's interesting. Let me tell you about that day. He said, that, that's a day that changed my life, and the guy's listening. That's a day that I realized my situation, that I was separated from God, and that's a day that I put all my faith in Jesus. It's the most important day in my life because it changed everything for me, and I just wanted to remember that day. It's a stone of remembrance. There's all kinds of different ways to do it, but the key is to do it. And what is so fascinating, the Lord Jesus gave us the best way to do it, he left us with a meal to remember the sacrifice that he had made for us so that every single time we would partake in this meal, we would remember the sacrifice he made so that we could move from where we are to where he wanted us to be. 
and that's in relationship with him. So our guys are going to make their way to the front right now, and you're about to hold some stones of remembrance in your hand. They represent the body and the blood of Christ Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This meal that we're about to receive is a chance to remember those of you who are in Christ, those of you who have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, it's a chance for you to remember the price that was paid so you could be set free. So as a believer today, I ask you to share in this meal. Hold these elements in your hand. Be reminded of what it took to bring about your freedom and maybe just remember what your life would be like without Him. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you that you left us a chance to remember the most significant event in the history of the world. When your Son, our Savior, stepped out of heaven, took on flesh, lived a sinless life, was convicted for our sin, died a sacrificial death to pay our ransom, rose victoriously so that the river could be crossed, so that by faith we could move from where we are in the wilderness where you desire for us to be in relationship with you because of your all-sufficient work. As we hold these elements in our hand, may we remember the joy, the excitement, the exhilaration, and the cost of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.